Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, this is part two of Understanding Food Cost. Stay tuned. So we're going to get right into it. Last week was part one of the three-part series on understanding food costs. The first thing that we needed to do last week was to understand money. So last episode, we got into the history of money. What is money? What makes something money? And what is the store value? That will help you better understand how to look at the different commodities in your kitchen and understand where the value is and understand that you're looking at perishable dollars. We also went through a mental exercise on how to view your cooler as a bank vault, how to view the delivery truck as the Brinks truck, and how to view everything that you do with the food as an exchange of money. So today what we're going to get into is we're going to start talking about the different formulas that you need as a chef to manage food cost. I do get a lot of questions about managing food costs, and that's why I wanted to do this three-part series. And a lot of people think food cost is a very simple formula, which it is. Cost divided by sales equals your food cost percent. So I said this in the last episode. I'll say this again. This is the one formula that you're going to need for the majority of your career, but not just for food costs, also for labor costs, also for controllable expenses. Basically, anything you're paying money for, you're going to use this formula to determine what percentage it is of the total revenue. So cost divided by sales equals food cost percent, labor cost percent, paper cost percent, whatever the case may be. Let's get into some terms that are used in business for those of you that may or may not be familiar with some of these terms. So the first one is understanding the difference between gross and net. Now we talk about gross sales. We could talk about gross income, basically the difference between gross and net. So think about it like this. Gross is everything. Net is what you're left with after everything that you owe is removed. So let's talk about taxes and things like that. So if you're looking at your paycheck, your gross income is what you get paid. And then your net income is what you're left with after all your taxes and deductions have been removed. The same thing applies in business. So gross sales is the money that you've earned. And then net sales is what you're left with after everything has been removed, such as returns, allowances, and things like that. And this is a little bit tricky. At least it's, it's been tricky for me to remember sometimes what the difference between gross and net is. So I'm going to give you a little rhyme that helped me remember. Maybe it'll help you remember. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But remember it like this. This is how I remember it. Gross is the most and net is what you get. So that little rhyme will help you remember gross is the most. So it's, it's, the, big, it's the big number and net is what you get. It's the little number. So remember like that. Gross is the most. Net is what you get. So those are different examples I can give you to help you remember the difference between gross and net. So it's just important that we lay a foundation of some of the terms that we're going to use throughout. Now, why do we put so much emphasis on understanding food costs? Well, the reason that is, and I mean, it's, it's for obvious reasons. The lifeblood of any restaurant is the money, right? It's how much money you take to the bank. At the end of the day, that's what keeps the restaurant open. That's what keeps the restaurant in business is money. The cash flow coming in and the money going into the bank is really what's going to keep your restaurant open and make it sustainable. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm cooking for the passion, this, that, and the other. If you're just cooking for the passion, that's not a good recipe for success to keep the doors open on your restaurant. You have to have a certain level of business acumen in order to have a successful restaurant. 
If you're only cooking for passion, that could be a recipe for disaster. It's important to know how to calculate food costs and it's important to know how to make good financial decisions when you're looking at your operation. Like I said, money is the lifeblood of the restaurant. What happens if there's no blood flowing? Well, basically you're dead or your restaurant's dead. So keep that in mind. Money is the flow, it's the lifeblood which keeps things going and operational. So you wanna make sure that you're taking money to the bank. Something that I learned early on in my career as a chef is that you don't bank percentages, you bank dollars. Now we're all measured on food cost percent. And the reason that is, is because that's a good measure of how your overall performance is. Lower food cost doesn't necessarily mean more money in the bank. And higher food cost doesn't necessarily mean that you're not profitable. But we have to assume that at some point when you were opening up your restaurant with your investors, with your owners, with the banks, there was some form of strategy of what your estimated food cost number would be. Now, I want to dispel a myth that everyone seems to think food cost is around 30 to 35 percent or 25 to 35 to 40 percent. It's it's a myth. Every single restaurant is going to operate on a different food cost. So sometimes I've seen chefs you know, kind of make fun of other chefs like, you're running a 38% food cost. I'm running a 30% food cost. And I've seen other chefs that'll say, I, you're running a 19%. A lot of it has to do with the operation that you're running. The larger the operation and what the mix of sales is, is going to determine what your food cost percentage is. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. If you're running an independent restaurant, your food cost may be anywhere from 25%, depending on the type of food that you're serving, up to about 35%. Does that mean a 40% food cost is bad? No, not necessarily. Does that mean a 20% food cost is bad? No, not necessarily. And I'll give you two extreme examples on both ends of the spectrum. If you are running a high-end steakhouse, your food cost percent might be on the higher side. So you might be running a 40% food cost or a 38% food cost. I've seen some places run as high as like a 45% food cost. It doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. That's the business model. They're planning to run a 45% food cost. And that is due to the expensive meat that they're buying, but they are also charging a premium markup on that meat. On the flip side, a 20% food cost doesn't necessarily mean that you're ripping off the customer. It could mean that maybe you are a salad restaurant, which is less expensive than serving steaks. So you might have to put more volume in to make more dollars, but your food cost percentage looks really good. So two ends of the spectrum, not all food costs are 30%. Not all food costs are 25%. Not all food costs are 35%. A lot of that is determined on the type of restaurant that you run. If you run a big major convention center catering house, you might be as low as 15% food cost. A lot of that has to do with you're selling bottled water, you're selling gallons of coffee and iced tea that are extremely expensive and coffee breaks and things like that, which drive food costs down. So places that like hotels, convention centers, conference houses that do a lot of uh, meetings, coffee breaks, and things like that, they tend to have a lower food cost percent, but they are also measured on a lower food cost percent. So keep that in mind. One size does not fit all for every type of restaurant. It's important to know that. So let's start out with the first thing. What is food cost? Food cost is the total cost of goods sold. So cost of goods in this case is your food. The total amount of money that you spent on food after you've done a elaborate calculation, that is the total cost of goods sold, also known as the consumption. Food cost percent is the percent of that consumption 
against the total revenue or the total sales. So food cost percent, cost, consumption, divided by revenue or sales equals food cost percentage. That's the food cost percent, which you are getting by first knowing your total food cost. So food cost, food cost percent, two different things. So it's important that you understand the distinction between those two terms. And again, I'm going really basic because I have a, a large audience that ranges everything from new cooks to experienced executive chefs. The experienced executive chefs are saying, yeah, we know that already. Let, let's get to the point. Bear with me. We're, we're teaching everybody. So we, we talk about total consumption. So here's how you figure out what your total consumption is for your food cost. You are going to begin every month with an opening inventory, assuming that you're carrying inventory on your balance sheet. So let's just say you have $100,000 worth of opening inventory. That could be everything that's counted according to your accounting practices and everywhere is different. Some places only count what's in storage. Some people count everything. Best practice is I would only count what is not used and everything that was on the line for service, I wouldn't count. So that was just what I would do, but everywhere is different. But back at it. The opening inventory is what you're starting the month out with. Think of this as the amount of money in the bank that you started the new month with. Now that you've started with this opening inventory, anything that you purchase is added to that opening inventory. So as we said, you opened with $100,000. Let's say you added another $100,000 worth of purchases. That is the new number that you're working with, $200,000. I'm just using nice round numbers so everyone could follow me. Opening inventory plus purchases. Now, the next thing that you have to do is you have to subtract anything that is transferred within your restaurant. So this could be if you're transferring, if you have a, a big operation like a hotel with multiple restaurants, this might be transfers uh, in inter-department. In it could be transfers to other departments. It could be transfers to the bar. Like for example, the bartenders come and get lemons that might come off the food cost and go to the beverage cost balance sheet. Again, these are just different practices in different places. Not everywhere is the same, but for the sake of contact, you're opening inventory, 100,000, your purchases, another 100,000. And let's just say your transfers out were 10,000. Then you're going to add, then you're going to add any transfers in. So this is people giving you things. So a lot of places, again, it's different, but let's just say you're moving food from one restaurant to another restaurant. Or in some places, people do count the liquor as food when it's added to the culinary inventory, like wine or something like that. For example, depending on depending on where you work, everyone's accounting practice is slightly different. But let's just say anything that you're adding from other departments are transfers in. This would be addition to your inventory. So again, I want you all to, to I'm going to go slow so you all stay with me. You have $100,000 opening inventory plus $100,000 in purchase minus $10,000 in transfers out plus $10,000 in transfers in. So that kind of washes, but I'm using this as a very simple example. Then at the end of the month, what you're going to do is you're going to count your inventory. We talked about everyone's inventory system may be different, but the inventory system that you've deemed is the acceptable one. You're going to do an inventory count. That inventory number, again, just so we have something to play with, we're going to say that inventory is now $80,000. So now let's look at this example. Your opening inventory was $100,000. You added $100,000 in purchases. So now you're sitting in the bank with $200,000 worth of product, right? What you opened with and what you added. Then you subtracted that $10,000 in transfers. Now that leaves you at 
190,000. You added in the additional $10,000 in transfers in. That, again, balances out. So now you're back to 200,000. Your closing inventory was 80,000. So if you have $200,000 is the number right now, and you take away $80,000, what you're left with is $120,000. That $120,000 is your total consumption. That is basically everything that you consumed dollar-wise in the month. Now, now, if you're not following me here, I'll explain it another way. If you have $100 in the bank at the beginning of the month, and then you got paid and you got another $100 in the bank, and at the end of the month, you only have $80 in the bank, that means you used $120 of the money that went into your bank for the month. So hopefully that's a, that's a more simple way to explain it, but basically that's how you calculate the consumption. Now, once you know the total consumption, now you can figure out what your overall food cost percent is for the month or the period, depending on what kind of financial system that you are working off. Some people work off a 13 period year. Other people work off of a month end system. So every accounting system is slightly different. You're going to have to tailor this to what makes sense for you and your operation. But in a nutshell, now that you figured out what the total consumption is, you can divide that by the total revenue for the month to figure out what your food cost percentage for the month was. The next thing that you want to understand is what your individual food cost is per plate. So assuming that you have recipes for everyone, and this is why I encourage everyone to make sure that you have standardized recipes and everything is weighed out. If your recipes are accurate, you're not going to have 100% accuracy in your food cost, but if your recipes are accurate and they're costed out, you are going to be closer to understanding what your food cost is versus if you're winging it all the time and just saying a little bit of this, a little bit of that. There's no consistency. It's going to be very hard to figure out and how to manage your food costs. It's much easier if everything is weighed, costed, and measured. So to figure out the, the food costs of an individual dish, it's again, it's not rocket science, but what you're going to do is you're going to figure out the size of the portion of that particular item, and then you're going to have to calculate it based off the original price of the item. So let's just say you're looking at an eight-ounce steak what you're going to have to figure out is what the cost per ounce is. So in this case, if you have a steak at 16 ounces, because there's 16 ounces in a pound, it costs you $16. So it's $16 a pound. We're just using this as an example because it's easy to calculate the math. That means every pound is $1. So to figure out the cost, you would say $16 divided by 16 because there's 16 ounces in a pound will give you your cost per ounce. So in this case, $1 per ounce, you're serving an eight ounce steak, it's gonna be $8, you're following me. You may be working in grams, so you're gonna say, if it's a dollar an ounce, it's a dollar for every 28 grams, because there's 28 grams in an ounce. You're gonna do that for every single ingredient on the recipe so that you could calculate what the total cost per dish is. Some people like to calculate it in batch recipes, so for example, they might say this batch yields 10 portions and then they'll divide it by 10. So depending on how you're doing it, ultimately what you need to find out is what your per plate cost is. That's going to require some math. Get good at Excel. I would advise you just figure out how to build Excel sheets. Most chefs work off of Excel because it's the easiest thing to use when you're, because you could program cells to add up the correct math formulas that you need. So anyway, get the individual plate cost. So let's just say when it's all said and done, the plate costs $2 per 
when you include the steak and the vegetables and everything else. Now, a lot of places will factor in a little bit of a waste factor because the fact of the matter is, is you're going to trim stuff off. You're going to trim off ends of this. You're going to throw some away at the end of the night. You're going to lose a dish here and there. Everywhere is different. Some people will add a 5% waste factor. Some people will add a 10% waste factor in their recipes. And other people will just add a flat dollar amount to the waste factor so they could calculate their individual plate cost. I've done all three and other things as well, but I would say those are the most common practices when you're calculating an individual recipe cost is to add either a percentage for waste or to add a fixed dollar amount. So now that you have the individual plate cost, the next that you typically want to do is you want to find out, well, how much should I sell it for? So let's just say something costs you $3, right? So it costed you $2, you added in a dollar for waste. So you round it up to $3 and you need to figure out what to sell it at. So what you're going to need to do, is the first thing you're going to do is you're going to have your plate cost, $3, and you're aiming for a 30% food cost. So when you do the calculation, you're going to want to do that as a decimal. So 30% as a decimal expressed is 0.3. So $3 divided by 0.3 will give you $10. So that is roughly what you should sell your plate at if you want to hit a 30% food cost. Now, every now and again, you're aiming for a 30%, but it may be way high or it may be way low. So 30% of something might only be, you know, three or $4, and you're not going to sell that particular dish at that price. So you might want to take it up to $8 and run a very low food cost percent on it. On the flip side, you might have a higher plate cost and running it at 30% might kind of price you out and people might not want to buy it. So you're going to run a higher food cost on it. This is what's going to bring you into what's called a mix of sales, right? So you're going to have some items that are higher, some items that are lower, but with the overall hope that in the end, it's all going to balance out to the 30% which you are aiming to achieve. Now, in order to figure that out, you're going to need to do something called a theoretical food cost. So a theoretical food cost is like the ideal target that your restaurant wants to achieve based on the cost of ingredients, all the dishes on your menu, your factory and waste, theft, spoilage, that, that fudge factor percent that we were talking about. But nevertheless, it's a useful benchmark to figure out what your actual food cost is. So the way to figure out theoretical food costs is you kind of have to play a little bit of a guessing game, or sometimes you're doing it retroactively before your actual food cost numbers come out. So the way you need to figure out your theoretical is you need to know the individual cost of every dish and you either need to have the actual sales numbers of each dish or the proposed theoretical amount of dishes that you're going to sell. The way I would do this in a simple Excel spreadsheet is I would total all of them up to say, this is the total cost. This is the total sales of all the dishes sold. Total cost divided by total sales will give you a theoretical food cost. Now it's not exact and it is theoretical. So one of the things that you know, a lot of restaurants will do these theoretical food cost exercises. And it's kind of a trap for chefs too, because you could look at a theoretical food cost and say, hey, my theoretical food cost says I should be at 30%, but I'm hitting 35. And so you go to your owners or you go to your manager and you say, I don't know what's wrong because according to my calculations, it's supposed to be 30%, but I'm hitting 35. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you're, it's supposed to be 30% and you're hitting 35 that either your calculations are wrong or you're not managing your business. People could be stealing. Your recipes might be costed inaccurately. You might not be managing your kitchen as tight as you think in terms of managing waste. 
Your vendors could be ripping you off. You might not be paying attention to price increases or inflation, as we talked about in the previous podcast. So theoretical food cost is great, but you don't take theoretical food cost to the bank. And most likely, you're not held accountable to theoretical food cost. You're held accountable to actual food cost. So use theoretical food cost as a good guide to guess where you should be or to manage your business in the pre-opening phase or the pre-menu rollout phase. But once things are done, what you should be looking at is your actual food cost percent. Now, I know I said this earlier, you don't take percentage to the bank, you take dollars to the bank. So I'm going to give you a small example of what I mean, but we're going to take two menu items, right? One is a salad and one is a steak. And you'll ask someone, what would you rather have, a good food cost or dollars in the bank? You'd ask someone, would you rather have a 10% food cost or would you rather have a 40% food cost? And a lot of chefs are going to be like, 10% food cost, that means I'm doing great. Not necessarily. Let me explain to you what I mean. Let's just say that you have a salad and that salad costs you 50 cents to make. So your total cost on the salad is 50 cents and you're selling it at a 10% food cost, which would make it $5. So, you know, 50 cents divided by uh, 0.1, 10% is going to give you your suggested selling price of $5. So $5 for the salad. For every salad that you make at a 10% food cost, you're making a profit of $4.50. Okay. So you have a 10% food cost, but you're only taking $4.50 to the bank. Now let's take another example. Let's say you're looking at a steak and that steak costs you $20 and you are selling it for $50, which is a 40% food cost, right? $20 divided by 0.4 equals $50, right? So again, giving you re reiterating point on the math. So you have a $50 entree and it costs you $20. Every time you sell one of those $50 entrees, those steaks, that cost you $20, 40% food cost, your profit margin on that is $30. So for every steak that you sell, you take $30 to the bank. So you have to sell several salads to make the same amount of money as selling one steak. Think about the amount of labor that goes into that. Think about the amount of work that goes into your service team to have to sell that many salads versus someone that just has sell one stake. Now, think about it like this. You could extrapolate that up. We talked about money in the other one. Would you rather sell a candy bar or would you rather sell gold, right? So maybe your gold, you're getting 50% markup and your candy bar, you're getting 90% markup. But how many candy bars do you got to sell versus the gold, right? If you were making $1,000 for every gold transaction and you're only making 90 cents on every candy bar transaction, you're going to see the amount of work that has to go into each one, right? So if you, if you follow me, you'll understand that at the end of the day, you don't bank percentages, you bank dollars. With that being said, my caveat is I ain't your boss and I don't know what you're measured on. Sometimes you are measured on your food cost percent, but I'll tell you, in my experience as a chef, a lot of times the reason owners or general managers are so focused on the percentage is because they are incentivized by the percent. They're not incentivized by the dollars. And usually that's because maybe there's an asset manager in between or there's a middleman that's managing it. And, and a lot of times people aren't looking at the bigger picture, which is dollars in the bank. So again, I'm not telling you because I don't want you to go back to your boss and say, look at how much money I brought in the bank. No, at the end of the day, you got to do what you're measuring on. I'm just, I'm just telling you as a strategy, if you're the business owner, you want to have more dollars in the bank, right? So if you have that freedom, that's the way I would look at it. If you don't have the freedom, well, it's unfortunate because you're going to be managing percentage versus dollars.
And as we talked about earlier, money is the lifeblood that keeps that restaurant open. You want to increase the amount of money that's flowing through going straight into the bank, right? That's how you keep a profitable business running. Now, I know this is a three-part series on food cost. I want to wrap this one up because we, you know, we kind of get into the really boring stuff, at least. Uh, so when people ask me, why haven't I done a food cost podcast? This might be why, because, you know, we're just going to talk about formulas and it's somewhat rather boring. Uh, hopefully not. It's still a five-star podcast. But here's a story that I would like to share with you. When I was a young chef and I took over my first executive chef job, my chef was still in the building. And in order for me to prove my worth, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to demonstrate that I could lower food costs because I thought that I'm, I'm bringing value if I'm lowering food costs. So I did everything I could to buy, you know, less expensive products, shave the portion, all these things that, which we'll cover in the next podcast. And my, my former chef came up to me and said, you know, what the hell are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? I'm lowering food costs. It's good for business. He says, I'm going to tell you two things. He says, no great chef, that's a household name out there, is a household name because they ran good food costs. Not a one. They're not writing books about chefs that ran great food costs. He says, it's still about the food. Make sure you're making delicious food first. Then he said, number two, when you give them something, they will always ask for more. So you lowered food costs 3%. Where else are you going to lower it? And I said, well, I don't have anywhere else to lower it. And I've already done it. He says, exactly. When you've lowered it this much, they're going to say, what a great job. Can you lower it more? And when you can't, what's going to end up happening is you're going to have bad months and you're going to accidentally raise it. And then they're going to think you're not as good as you used to be. He says, they will always push you to find more. So be careful lowering your food cost too low to the point where you cannot recover. Not only that, but if you work in an environment where there's another chef coming in after you, no chef wants to come in after the person that lowered food cost to a detriment. And the reason that is, is because they're going to walk into the place and they're going to say, oh, I know how to fix this place. Make better food. You're serving shit quality. And then they're going to say, oh, I can't. Because the reason food cost is so good and the reason the owners are so happy with the amount of money that's coming in is because we serve a, a poor quality product. So you're not setting up the person to come in after you. Anyway, that's a little bit of a rant. I always say you want to make sure that your legacy as a chef is built off the food that you're making, not necessarily the cost, right? Be careful. It's a slippery slope when you start cutting food costs too far. Then it's very difficult to get out of that situation. Anyway, that is episode two on understanding food costs. On the next episode, no more formulas. Well, cost divided by sales. I'll probably remind everyone of that. But on the next episode, what we're going to talk about is strategies that I look for. Number one, to lower food costs when you need to. And if you have a food cost problem, where do you look? Anyway, thank you all very much. If you want to support the show, make sure you leave five stars. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe. Make sure you go to chefspsa.com and show some love. Get some of the books. They're good for you, right? You'll get smarter. Bad Sue, Good Chef. How Not to Be the Biggest City in the Kitchen, Line Cook Survival Manual, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals, and Kitchen Art of War. I do explain food costs a little bit more in depth in the Culinary Leadership Fundamentals book. So if you like this podcast and you want to learn more about food costs, go get that book. Thank you all very much. See you next week. Hit the porno music. 